Good morning. We are here to worship our risen Lord and Savior this morning. During this first song, I want you to think about Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father and all the colors of the rainbow all around him. Today, we are here to worship him. Raise your hands, raise your voices, raise your praise unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning. Wonder at the 
And everything had been going so well, too. Anyway, who is Jesus? As you saw in the video, there are a lot of answers that probably bring tears to your eyes that hurt to hear people say, oh, that he's some spirit, that he's nobody, that they have no idea who he is. It makes sense that people who haven't heard the scripture, haven't been I haven't heard a preacher, haven't read the Bible, who aren't Christians, it makes sense that they may not know who Jesus is. And because of that, we need to go and tell them who he is. But I know most of you this morning would not answer that question with the ones you've just seen in that video. You would answer as the children did. He is creator. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is King of kings. He's Lord of lords. You'll be able to give the right answer. So I want you to think more beyond just giving a Sunday school answer or even giving the right answer. Who is Jesus really in your life? Because there are so many Christians who worship Jesus. I would say they are believers. They are saved. They're going to heaven. But when they live their daily lives, their Jesus doesn't really match the Jesus of Scripture. So let me explain that, but first we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, and there we will read in Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so you may know what is the hope of his calling? What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his vast strength? He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heaven, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put everything under his feet and appointed him his head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Lord Jesus, you are the exalted one, the risen one. We pray as we come to your word this morning, you would help us to see where we have created you in our image and have chosen to take verses out of context, to create Jesus, a person, a symbol, a thing that we like better or that we're comfortable with. I pray, Jesus, you would reveal to us, as Paul has prayed, who you truly are, and may we worship you as you are. And I pray, Jesus, in your precious name, amen. We know that God created us in his image, but often we then in turn create God in our image. We want to have a God that we're comfortable with. We want to have a God that we understand, a God that we can put in a box, a God that suits our needs, a God who serves us. And so when you look at our society today, even in our Christian community, sometimes you have an American Jesus. 
And so you have Republicans, you have Democrats, you have politicians, you have patriotic people who want Jesus to be on their side, to pick a particular political view, to champion a particular political party. And I guarantee you this, that Jesus would not be a Democrat. He would not be a Republican. He wouldn't be a Libertarian. He wouldn't be anything. Know why I can say that? Because in his day, there were just as many political parties, religious parties, and they were trying to have followers follow them. They were trying to convince Jesus they were right. They even went and asked him questions to try to trap him, to try to make him choose a side. So I can imagine today uh, people would try to trap Jesus and throw out to him, well, tell us what you believe about gun control. Tell us what you believe about immigration. Tell us what you believe about the Mueller report. You know, they'd be asking him questions to trap him, to get him to give an answer that would, they could say, look, he is a Republican. Look, he is a Democrat. But you know what he did? His answers blew them away. They were not anything that they even expected. The week before Jesus went to the cross, on that Tuesday, he spent the day in the temple being questioned by one group after another group. They asked him questions about the resurrection. They asked him questions about whether they should pay taxes. They asked him questions, where do you get this authority to do everything you're doing after he just knocked over the tables and the money changers? And every time he gave an answer, they were more and more perplexed and they got quieter and quieter until finally, it says in Luke 20, 40, they no longer even asked him anything. Wouldn't that be nice if our politicians just shut up and didn't ask anything and the media asked nothing? Jesus' answers were so unexpected and also not just unexpected, so penetrating the heart. And so effective, they realized they had been beaten, and they did not ask him any more questions. So yes, Jesus has commands. The scripture is there. From them, we can learn what is right and what is wrong. And maybe from them, we can make guesses or we can make assumptions about what Jesus might say about certain issues. But I guarantee you, it wouldn't be what he would say. Let's not wrap Jesus in an American flag or put a political button on him. He does not belong to a party or a country. Some people see a Santa Claus Jesus. They want Jesus to give them everything on their Christmas list, on their wish list. Now, this is true. Jesus said this to his disciples. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so some people run with this. They take it out of context. They make a list. Jesus, I want you to bless me. Bless me with money. Bless me with a bigger house. Bless me with a bigger car. Jesus, I want you to bless me. Give me perfect health. Take away every sickness, every disease. Take it away from me, Jesus. Bless me with a wonderful family. Bless me with wonderful kids that always obey and never disobey. And bless me with everything that I want, Jesus, because this is why you are here. You even said it. Ask, and I will give it to you. They forget the one part here, in my name. They just skip over that. <laughs> Now, what does it mean to ask in Jesus' name? 
It means really to ask for what He wants us to have in our lives. What He wants to accomplish on this earth. Really, this petition begins with God, not with us. But beyond that, Jesus never promised easy life. He never promised us riches. He never promised us a life with no sickness or illness. He never promised that. In fact, He promised the opposite. He promised in this world you will have trouble. But notice, He says, take heart, be encouraged. I have overcome the world. That, that, that's the key. It's not that we live in a world that's going to be easy. We live in a world that's hard. It's difficult. It's filled with pain. It's filled with sickness. It's filled with hurt. But God is with us in the midst of it. And he says, don't be discouraged because of it. Don't be afraid because of it. I have overcome the world. And that's what we celebrate today. He has overcome Satan. He's overcome sin. He has overcome death. And so we who believe in him are overcomers with him. And so we do not have to be discouraged or afraid. But he never promises us an easy life. He is not a Santa Claus who answers all of our prayers just because we want him to. So don't worship a Santa Claus Jesus. How about a Jesus who's a doting old grandfather? Now, some people imagine Jesus as one who, he just always has a smile on his face. He's always got the butterscotch candy in his pocket. He's uh, ready to give you some candy, a pat on the head. You know, if you mess up, you come to grandpa, he says, oh, don't worry about it. You know, your mom or dad did far worse than that. So you just don't worry about it. Give me a hug. Let me give you a present. You know, or even a grandmother. You can think the same thing. Grandmothers, too, very generous, very loving, very forgiving, uh, laid back. Doesn't really care what you do as long as you're there. Some people want a Jesus like that. A Jesus who doesn't care about their lifestyle, doesn't care about what they do and they don't do. They can always be forgiven. They can always get a hug. They can always get a piece of candy. Just be in my presence and everything will be all right. But Jesus demands a bar that's so high none of us can meet it. Yes, Jesus is Loving, He is forgiving. He has died for our sins, yes. But don't take that out of context to believe that we can do whatever we want and commit any sin. And he's just going to say, oh, don't worry about it. I died for that sin. Come on, get a hug. Let's bring it in. He, he says that the bar is here. Be perfect as my Father is perfect in Matthew 5, 48. So don't allow yourself to be so comfortable with your sin or with your lifestyle that's far from God that you just feel like he doesn't care. He just loves me and I can do whatever I want and he's always going to accept me. If we are a believer, yes, God's not going to kick us out. He's not going to send us to hell because our sins are paid for. But don't use that as a license to sin or a license to be complacent or see Jesus as a doting grandfather. And finally, we have Christians who see Jesus as a self-help coach, a life coach. We want to add Jesus to our life. You see, we, we have a life that we kind of like, but it has some problems in it. 
You see, now we have a spouse that doesn't act the way we want, maybe, okay? Or maybe we have a life that we have kids that we can't control, or, or we've got a life that we feel like we're just not getting the fullest out of our life. You know, we're not meeting our potential. Uh, maybe we need to lose some weight. Maybe we need to be kinder. Maybe we need to be more confident. Uh, maybe we need to know how to exercise better. So we need Jesus to come along beside us and encourage us and, and help us. And so we pray, Jesus, change my spouse. And Jesus, give me a, help me lose 30 pounds. And Jesus, help me to be a kind person. And Jesus, help me to be a better person. And Jesus, encourage me and help me so I can be the best person I can be. And we have Jesus as our coach. Yes, Jesus wants to change us and transform us and to make us a better person, but he's not your personal trainer. He's not your personal coach just so that you can make your life better. You don't add Jesus to what you've got going so that it can be better than it is. What we see in Ephesians 1 is the resurrected Jesus. Jesus, in fact, says this in Matthew 10 about our lives. Anyone finding his life will lose it. And anyone losing his life because of me will find it. When we focus on self-help, we're focused on our own life. When Jesus says, I don't want your life necessarily to be better in the way we think of it. He says, I want you to lose your life. And then you will find it. The resurrected Jesus is who we celebrate today. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 1 who this resurrected Jesus is. And so let's look closer. And first, Paul is praying for the Ephesians, and he says this, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in Him, in the knowledge of Him, excuse me. Paul prays for the Ephesians to know God. What a wonderful prayer. To know who God is. We saw the video when the people did not know who God is. They did not know who Jesus is. How can they have an eternal home with Him? How can they live a life with Him if they do not know Him? And Pastor Brandon shared with the children the question that Peter answered when Jesus said, Who am I? Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the one who came, the one who died for our sins, the one who rose to life. He's the one who offers eternal life to us. That is who Jesus is. But again, I want us to think beyond that, to know Him more. Because I'm certain Paul knew that the Ephesians knew those facts about Jesus. But they wanted, he wanted them to know more than just about Jesus. He wanted them to know Jesus intimately. The only way you can know Jesus intimately is to spend time with Him in prayer, time in His Word, to follow Him in obedience. Just like you can become intimate with any person. You can't become close to someone at a distance. You can't become close to someone if you never talk to them. You cannot be close to someone if you never spend any time with them. So it's not hard to understand how we become close to God and know Him. And the closer we get to God, the more He reveals to ourselves about who we are and about who He is. 
So Paul prays, and I pray for me and for you, that we would truly know Jesus. The true Jesus. Not a Jesus we've made up. Not a Jesus that has some facts, but then we add something to it to make ourselves feel better. But to truly know who Jesus is. And then Paul says, I want you to know more than just who God is. I want you to know these particular things about Him. He says, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened, so you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the glorious riches of His inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power to us who believe according to the working of His vast strength. Paul prays for these three things, that the Ephesians, that we would know the hope of God's calling. God called us to salvation. He said, like to the disciples, he said, follow me. We believed in him. We follow him. That brings hope. Hope of a new life now. Hope of an eternity with him. We as Christians live our life with hope. And Paul wants us to know we have that hope in God's calling. Paul also wants us to know that in God, he has these glorious riches in his inheritance. Not our inheritance, his inheritance. This is sort of a twist. We usually think about us inheriting eternal life, maybe. But what Paul pictures here is all of us who believe in Jesus are resurrected. And we are the inheritance that God receives. The completion of our salvation. Finally with God. It's almost as though... There's the homecoming, and God is there on His throne. And here are all of the people that He died, that Jesus died for, that God saved are coming to Him, and He looks, and there's His inheritance. And God smiles because His work in our life is done, and we are with Him for eternity. And Paul wants us to know what that's like. The one I really want to focus on is the third one where Paul talks about the power. The greatness of God's power. When he talks about God's power, he says it's strong. He says it's mighty. He says it's great. And then he tells us, if you want to see God's power, just look at what God's power has done. And that's what it says in the next verses. He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavenly heavens for above every ruler and authority power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fits all things in every way. Paul says this power did three things. It raised Jesus from the dead. It put Jesus at the right hand of the Father and it made him the head of the church. Now I want you to think about this power and what it did. This Jesus that we worship, this resurrected Jesus we worship. First he was raised from the dead. That's powerful. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead will one day raise us from the dead. So that we have this hope, we have this uh, joyous hope. That death is not the end. Death is not where we will spend eternity in a grave. We will be resurrected and we will live and we will be with God forever. What a glorious hope that gives us joy each and every day. 
Paul says this power of God raised Jesus from the dead, but it also exalted him to the right hand of the Father. So Jesus is God and man, and he walked on earth. He was in a tomb. He was resurrected. He walked on the earth for 40 days, but he didn't stay here on this earth. He was exalted to the right hand of the Father. So that everything is under his feet. He is above every title that's given. Do you see what Paul is saying? Jesus is the king. He is the whatever title you use. The grand poobah. He is the grand poobah. He is the biggest. He is the tallest. He is the highest you can be. He's exalted as high as you can be exalted. And because he is there, he's also head of the church. There's not a man who's the head of the church, a woman who's the head of it, not a pastor, not a priest, not the pope. It is Jesus who is the head of the church. Now I want you to see this resurrected Jesus. And this is the key difference in all those fake Jesuses. The American political Jesus, the Claus Jesus, the self-help Jesus, those fake Jesuses, if you look at them carefully, are all about us. All about me. We want a God, we want a Jesus who's going to help me, make me better, make me comfortable. In fact, I might go as far as to say that in those Jesuses, these fake ones, He is serving us. I almost get the sense that we're sitting here and commanding and telling Jesus, Hey, this is what I need. You bring it to me. Is that the resurrected Jesus? The one who's seated at the right hand of the Father that has everything under his feet, the one who is head of the church. You see, the resurrected Jesus, all, it's all about him because he is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the exalted one. And so the resurrected Jesus, it's all about him. And we serve him. We humble ourselves before Him. We bow to Him in reverence, in obedience. We follow Him because He is in charge. So I hope you see the difference. Our response to the resurrected Lord this morning, yes, there is hope for us. That is not to be diminished. Because the grave is not the end for us. We should celebrate that with joy. The Lord tells us to. But let's not make it about ourselves today and say, oh, thank goodness when I die I'm going somewhere and it's, good, and it's a good place. You know, don't say, make today all about what it is for us. Because Jesus was resurrected to be exalted. And as exalted, He is to be worshipped. He is to be served. He is to be followed. We are to humble ourselves before Him. And so... If you want to look at our country and at our political parties, 
The question isn't what Jesus would say about those things if in a debate. Our question should be to humble ourselves before Jesus and ask Him, Jesus, what do you want us to do? When it comes to the list, we shouldn't be looking at our lives and looking at what Jesus can give to us. But we should pray in Jesus' name, Jesus, what do you want for me to be? What do you want my life to be like? What do you want my church to look like? What do you want this world to look like? And Jesus, you show me where I can be, where I can serve. The Jesus of the self-help, we don't make the list of things that we need help with. We ask Jesus, Lord, you tell me where I need to change. And Lord, you change me. The Jesus of the old grandfather. We don't just jump up into his lap and say, my life's a mess, but hey, you don't care. We confess our sins, repent of our sins, seek his mercy when we sin against him. Do you see the difference? It's easy to make fake Jesuses because they look a lot like us and what we want. But this morning, let's worship the resurrected Jesus, the one who is at the right hand of the Father, the one who is the King of kings, the one who is exalted, and He deserves, and in fact, He demands of us our lives, all of our worship. He deserves and demands obedience. He deserves and demands a life that's lived for Him, where sin is not something we're comfortable with, but we repent of it and confess it. That's the Jesus that was resurrected that Easter, first Easter morning, and the one who is with us today. Jesus, we pray in your name as you ask us and command us to do. And Jesus, I do pray that you would help myself, my brothers and sisters, to not give in to the temptation to change you into something we can control or that we're comfortable with. God, I pray that you would, as Paul prayed, help us to know you, to know you intimately, and therefore to know about the hope we have, about the inheritance you will receive and the power that's raised you from the dead and the power that is in us because you are in us and the power that has exalted you so that we can humble ourselves before you. I pray now, Jesus, that we would respond with the only response to an exalted, perfect, holy, risen Lord, and that's to come and humbly bow before your feet, to bow before your throne. May we do so now, Lord, and leave here today following you and serving you. And I pray, Jesus, 
In your precious name, amen. Stand with me, please, and we're going to sing. But as we sing, I want you to do more than to think about dinner, think about the Easter egg hunt, think about all those things you've got planned for this afternoon. I want you to envision our Lord today, as Paul tells us He is, the right hand of the Father. He's on His heavenly throne. And I encourage you to imagine yourself right now coming as a son or a daughter, humbling yourself before Him, grateful for what He has done for you, grateful for His mercy and His grace, but also seeking Him, seeking what He would want you to do, what He would want you to change, how you, He would want you to follow Him. Have that our posture this morning as we respond, as we leave this place today. He is our risen Lord, and He is exalt Him. Let's exalt Him in song. Let's exalt Him in our lives. And this is your time to respond. You may come to the front. You may, if you want to even bow here at the front, bow at your chair. However you want to show to God your submission to His exaltation and to who He is. Let's respond this morning as we sing.